This programme is sponsored by the Wolves Disabled Supporters Association. Hello and welcome to a new edition of the Wolverhampton Wanderers programme as this week we welcome West Ham United to Molyneux. We'll hear from the skipper Connor Cody and the head coach Bruno Larger. We've also got Bullies Preview, a look at today's opposition and a special tribute to Ron Flowers to come in this edition. Following the last international break of the year, the Old Gold returned to Molyneux with a spring in their step ahead of a tough test against the Hammers. Welcome to the Wolverhampton Wanderers programme. It's Wolves versus West Ham United. First, the head coach, Bruno Larger. Bruno writes, Good afternoon and welcome to Molyneux as we return to action following the last international break of 2021. Last week, we were told of the devastating news regarding the passing of one of Wolves' legendary players and our club vice president, Ron Flowers, MBE. I never had the privilege of meeting Ron, but I've been told the stories about the impact he not only had on the club as a player, being a key part of the historic side of the 50s and 60s, as well as the England squad which won the 1966 World Cup. But I also knew he was a real gentleman off the pitch and has a legacy which will live on around the city of Wolverhampton. He'll be sadly missed by everyone associated with the club and at today's match we'll pay tribute to Ron and the incredible life he led. We will do everything we can to give a performance in his honour to make you all proud. Today we also welcome David Moyes, his West Ham United staff, players and supporters to Molyneux. David has done a brilliant job since he returned to West Ham a few years ago and has turned the team into a top team in the Premier League. Their performances in this season's Europa League have also been very impressive, so we all know how difficult the test they're going to pose to us this afternoon and we will need to perform better than we did in our last match before the international break. We were all very unhappy with what happened against Crystal Palace because it was not the kind of performance that we've come to expect. We knew they were going to be a strong team, but the game was just not about what they did well. It's about what we didn't do, and we knew we should have done better. But those kind of defeats offer you a chance to learn for the future, with the first test coming this afternoon. We need to come with a personality to give dimension to our game and to fight for the team. It's never a good time to lose points, especially when going into an international break. But the players know that they cannot judge themselves on just that one game, as we've played very well in the last few months. Our first half performance against Everton last time we were together at Molyneux was what we aimed for for all of our matches. We were all very pleased to see Max score his first goal against Everton, but more important is that he's continuing the good form he showed all season. He's worked very hard to take his chances to be in the team, and that was rewarded with his new contract, but he knows he still has to be at the top of his game every time he plays. That's the same for every player in the team as we aim for our target, which is to be consistent. Every time we play, I want our players to put together performances like the one against Everton, and they are working hard and spending a lot of time at the training ground trying to improve every day. We want to learn from the problems other teams sometimes cause against us, the different systems, and see what we can do better. With the amazing support you give us today at Molyneux, we know we'll be better today. Enjoy the game. Bruno. Here's the skipper, Connor Cody. Connor writes... Being back at Molyneux this afternoon feels the most appropriate place to be for this football club as we pay tribute to a true legend of the game, Ron Flowers, MBE. Unfortunately, I didn't have the pleasure of meeting Ron, but I'm told he was a fantastic person and a mountain of a man who was an incredible footballer as well. When news like that breaks, there's a huge sadness, especially when that person was so massive at our club. 
Ron was a vice president of Wolves and a massive legend, so it hit everyone hard. And being away with England at the time, it was huge there too, because he won the World Cup with our country, which was an incredible achievement. A lot of people spoke to me about Ron while I was away, and the press officer asked if I'd lay flowers at the game that night, which would have been an honour. It was too quick to arrange before kickoff, but you could feel the significance of the news there, and the shirt laid out at Wembley was hopefully a nice touch for his loved ones, which is who we're thinking of right now. Today we have the chance to remember him at his home, Molyneux, which will give people a chance to reflect on what he did for our great football club. It's right that we can pay tribute to him here and give him the send-off that he deserves. That night against Albania and in San Marino on Monday, we wanted to win for Ron and also achieve our ultimate goal of reaching the World Cup. It's something we've obviously spoken about all year and we didn't want to jump the gun when we were getting close. We took it every game at a time to make sure as a country we'll be in Qatar. The team has been brilliant and we went unbeaten through qualification. It's been a really positive campaign. The feeling after the game on Monday was fantastic. That night I also had the honour of wearing the captain's armband for the last 27 minutes, which was massive for me but also our football club. Just to play as an honour, I've got eight caps now and I didn't dream of getting one, so it's an incredible feeling. Then coming back here and rejoining the Wolves lads, it's something you look forward to. It's great going away with England and I'm sure the boys will say the same with their nations, but you're always glad to be back to get the Premier League going again. We had our catch-ups but then focused on what is a huge game against a very good West Ham team. We've got a lot of tough games but they're games we're looking forward to. We've said all season how much we're looking forward to each week, learning new things in games and in training with the gaffer. And it's a real test today, but one we can't wait for. Connor. On Thursday the 11th of November 2021, the football world, particularly that of Wolves and the England national team, lost a true legend with the sad passing of Ron Flowers, MBE. The following evening, England were appropriately in action at Wembley and as the National Stadium fell silent in tribute pre-match, it was joined by the rest of the nation in paying respects to someone who gave so much to our game. Flowers is synonymous with Wolves, their fifth highest appearance maker, so as the club he held so dear takes the Molyneux pitch this afternoon, the people of Wolverhampton can pay their own tribute to the great man. In his heyday, Flowers was a star during Wolves' most successful era, helping the old goal to three First Division titles and the FA Cup during his 15 years at Molyneux. He turned out 515 times for Wolves between 1952 and 1967 and later served as Vice President of the club and was a member of England's 1966 World Cup winning squad. Having previously served in the RAF, Flowers signed from Wolves' nursery side, Wath Wanderers, in 1952 and made his debut in the September of that year against Blackpool, beginning a lengthy and legendary career in Old Gold. A giant on the pitch and approachable to supporters off it, Flowers possessed fine ability on the ball and the ability to carve out chances, which quickly established him as Cullis' go-to attacking midfielder, forming a formidable partnership with Peter Broadbent. The duo helped form part of a special Cullis side, which made Wolves champions of England for the first time ever in 1954 and repeated its success in 1958 and 1959, the club's only top-flight titles to date. A year later, Flowers was lifting the FA Cup trophy at Wembley, having helped Wolves defeat Blackburn Rovers in the final, one of many significant Wolves matches Flowers featured in, along with the 1954 victory over Honved when European football was born. In an England shirt, Flowers was just as reliable, earning 49 caps, 40 of which came consecutively between November 1958 and April 1963, claiming a record only bettered by fellow Wolves legend Billy Wright. The midfielder also had the distinction of scoring England's first goal at a European Championship, 
bagging in the qualifying round against France in 1962, one of six penalties he scored for his country, with two more coming in the 1962 World Cup in Chile. While Flowers was unused as England lifted the famous trophy four years later, his efforts were rightfully acknowledged in 2009 when all non-playing members of the squad received a deserved medal at 10 Downing Street, bringing great pride to him and his family. That Wembley success came in the twilight of Flowers' career, and the following year Flowers departed Wolves for Northampton Town, who he player-managed, and then Telford United and Wellington Town, before drawing a close on a brilliant career. However, the affiliation Flowers had and his family with Wolverhampton extended beyond his playing days, with the former defender opening and running a popular sports shop himself on Queen Street, where it still trades today. After an incredible career for both Wolves and England, Flowers was handed an FA award for his contribution to the national team in January 2020, and a year later received his MBE as a part of a 2021 New Year's Honours list, a truly fitting award. The thoughts of everyone at Wolves are with Ron's family and friends at this sad time. Paying tribute to a legend. Following the sad news of Ron Flowers' passing, messages of condolence poured in from across the football world with a trio of Wolves legends, Steve Ball, Ted Farmer and John Richards at the forefront leading the tributes. Wolves record goalscorer Steve Ball. Ron was unbelievable. He was a gentle giant. He was very softly spoken and he always had time to talk to you, always had time to sign an autograph and always had time to shake hands. He will be sadly missed because he's up there with the likes of Billy Wright, Dave Wagstaff, Burt Williams and all the other legends of the club. He put Wolves on the map back in the glory days of the 50s and 60s. He was one of the stars at a time when the club was absolutely huge. They were not just the best team in the country, but one of the best in the world and he was a massive part of it. Along with Stan Cullis and Billy Wright, he got the club up where it was and without those people, who knows where Wolves could be today. The club went down a bit and then we were able to bring it up again in the late 80s. Then there was another dip before the current side had brought it back up. Throughout history, Wolves have been like a roller coaster, and Ron played a huge part in one of that roller coaster's greatest highs. Flowers' former teammate, Ted Farmer. Ted says, I was at the club with Ron for nearly 10 years from 1956. He was a powerhouse of a player. He was always pushing the team forward. He led by example, really. Ron was one of the great integral parts of the greatest Wolves side ever. I remember playing with Ron when he was in the forces. He was doing his national service and had to come backwards and forwards to the Wolves for training. I remember playing with him in a third team match in the Birmingham League 2 at Banbury. He was coming back from injury and they put him in the third team. That was the first time I met him and after that I went through the teams and met him quite regularly. It was great to play with him. In the dressing room he was another person but on the pitch he was a real powerhouse. He was always nagging at the defence and pushing our players forward and that's why I call him a powerhouse. As a player, he was just an integral part of one of the great Wolves sides. Wolves former Players Association Chairman John Richards Ron was and always will be one of our icons. He was a founder member of the former Players Association and our president. He will be sadly missed. Ron was respected for being a fantastic player and a fantastic person. That is the way people think of him. I first came to Wolverhampton in 1969 and he just opened his shop, but I knew him from the World Cup squad. The two big names in Wolverhampton were Billy Wright and Ron Flowers. They were the two people everyone saw as Wolves and that was it. Ron was a big man in many ways. He was statuesque, blonde, a commanding presence whenever you were with him. But he was also an unassuming, polite and lovely man. That's how he was with everyone. You would never have thought he was a star player with Wolves in England. He had no ego about his playing achievements and his playing achievements were unbelievable. Today is a very sad day.
Bully's big match preview. West Ham. Legendary striker Steve Ball will be running the rule over Wolves' 2021-22 season while giving his thoughts on the opposition who take to the Molyneux turf in this season's matchday programme. The club's record scorer with 306 goals in all competitions during a 13-year career in the Golden Black has reflected on an impressive first half last time at Molyneux and bouncing back over the international break ahead of facing a good West Ham side who are on a good run of form. Kilman's breakthrough season. Bully writes, I've been really impressed with Kilman this season. He's been absolutely brilliant. He's had to bide his time since he came into the team a few seasons ago, having to sit behind Bolly, Saïs and Cody, who've been in the team the whole time. But every time he's come in, he's always delivered. Whether that's down to Cody or Saïs giving him the guidance he needs and nurturing in the game, I don't know, but he's getting stronger and stronger all the time. With his goal, you could see on his face how much it meant, because he was so overjoyed. It was unbelievable. The best half of the season. Last time we were at Molyneux, Everton were the visitors and everybody in the stadium would have taken a win regardless of performance. Whether it's scrappy or not, a win's a win. But I thought the first 40 minutes of that win were absolutely unbelievable. We took the game to them, we stopped them playing, we pressed them further at the pitch and you get the luck at either end of the pitch. The win was thoroughly deserved, however I just wish we'd replicate that first half performance throughout the whole 90 minutes. But it comes down to mentality. It's having the strength in the mind to say we can do the same 45 as we did in the first half. They seemed to come out at two up and thought they could take their foot off the gas, but you get punished in the Premier League, so they've got to give us a good solid 90 minutes against West Ham, or we will be punished. Jimenez's 50th goal in golden black. What he had to undergo because of his head injury to come back and score his 50th goal for Wolves was a massive, massive thing. When you get an injury, there is always something nagging in the back of your mind, whether you go up for a header or go for a low ball. But he's come through it now and you can see he's getting back to his old self. He's getting better with each game and more physical. These are all great signs and for him to get that 50th goal in front of his fans at Molyneux, that will kick him on now to start scoring on a regular basis again. Bouncing back from Palace. You have games where one or two players don't turn up and it doesn't affect the outcome. But against Crystal Palace, we had 10 or 11 players off their game, meaning we were on the back foot. We looked tired, we looked jaded, and it was the opposite of what we saw against Everton the week before. They need to snap out of that today, forget about that game and focus on West Ham now. As a player, whenever you have a dire result, you want to get back on the pitch and rectify it as quickly as possible. But that hasn't been the case due to the international break. There is also the thinking that by giving the players who haven't been in a way a bit of time off, give them a mental break and let them have some time at home, it might get their sharpness back up and ready for today's game. The challenge of the Hammers. It's going to be a very tough game against West Ham because David Moyes has got them playing some very good football, but that could maybe suit us better as we seem to step up our game when we face a team who are going to come here and play some good football. They're a team who likes to play passing football and they've got some great players in their side. Antonio is flying at the moment with his goals, so if you can keep him quiet, then that'll be one less thing to worry about. It should be a really good game, and a battle of the centre-forwards. We'll be hoping our own star striker in Jimenez will be able to come up with the goods again and help us to a good result, because they're due a loss, as they're on a good run at the moment, so hopefully we can stop that. Cody captaining England To play for your country is always an unbelievable experience, so to wear the captain's armband as you help your country qualify for a World Cup must be something else. When you play for your club, you have 30,000 people watching you, but when you play for England, you've got millions, and the pressure is ramped up massively. But we know with Connor, whatever shirt he puts on, whether it's Wolves or England, he's always going to go out there and give 100%. He's done himself a world of good with his performances and his leadership within the England squad, and I think he's going to be there for a long time to come. 
This programme is brought to you by the Wolves Disabled Supporters Association. For more information, please contact Dennis Green. All the information you need can be found at facebook.com forward slash Wolves DSA. Time now to take a look at our opponents for today's fixture. That is West Ham United. Wolves are looking to bounce back from defeat before the international weekend, but we'll do so against a team flying after four league wins from four for West Ham. The old gold camp. This is Max Kilman on the reverse at Palace. We simply weren't good enough. We didn't show the same bravery and energy we have in previous games. We need to look back, get ready for the next one and go again. Palace have really good players all over the pitch, but we all knew that and we were prepared for the game, but today it wasn't our day. The Hammers Camp. This is Jared Bowen enjoying life at West Ham. I think we've spoken about the run of games. We've had so many in quick succession that when we have those games, we keep winning and keep performing because the momentum we carry through and the confidence is high, so we look forward to going into every game. The last time these two teams met was in April of earlier this year. Three first half goals did the damage for West Ham in a 3-2 win, despite a spirited fight back from the hosts through Leander Dendonka and Fabio Silva. Record smashed on a weekly basis. West Ham are getting stuck into the history book this season. From their 11 matches so far this term, the Hammers have amassed 23 points. Only twice in their history in 1975 and 1980 have they had more at this stage of a Football League campaign. Their win over Liverpool last time out was their first in 11 against the Merseyside club and also saw United score from two more set-piece situations, taking their total to 32 in the Premier League since Moyes' return, six more than any side. The goals flying in. Victory over Liverpool saw West Ham move to third in the table, above their opponents and level on points with Manchester City. On the day, Kurt Zuma added himself to the score sheet, which meant every outfield player who started this season has now scored. The goals have clearly been shared around by the East Londoners, who scored more goals than City and the third most in the division. Only Chelsea and Liverpool have scored more, and as they prepared to face Wolves, Moyes will want his team to repeat last season's trick when they scored seven in two matches against the old gold. 1,000 up for Moyes. It was the perfect way for David Moyes to celebrate his 1,000th match in management, guiding West Ham into the knockout stages of the Europa League. The Scotsman has been in the dugouts up and down the country for almost 20 years, but will be enjoying himself as much as ever at the London Stadium currently. Moyes' first match as a manager for Preston North End against Macclesfield Town came before midfielder Declan Rice was even born. Here's the full lowdown then on West Ham United. They were founded in 1895 as Thames Ironworks. The player with the most appearances is Billy Bonds with 799. With most goals, that's Vic Watson with 326. Their record signing was Sebastian Allaire for £45 million and their record sale was Dimitri Payet with £25 million. Their highest finish was third in the first division in 1985-86. This season, here's how both teams stack up. In the goals column, Huang has four for Wolves, Antonio six for West Ham. In the assists column, Jimenez has two, Bowen has four. Yellow cards, Saiz and Rice both have three. Passes, Saiz has 597, Declan Rice 642. For clean sheets, Saar has two, Fabianski three. And minutes played, both Kilman and Cresswell have 990. The form for West Ham has been exemplary, with wins in each of their last three games. At home to Spurs, away at Aston Villa by four goals to one, and that impressive 3-2 win at home to Liverpool. For Wolves, it's been a bit patchy of late, with a draw away at Leeds, followed by a win at home to Everton, and defeat away to Crystal Palace. 
The final Premier League match before the international break saw West Ham United attract all the plaudits, and rightly so, for their impressive showing against Liverpool, which ended the Reds' unbeaten run. The Hammers stunned their visitors with two goals from set pieces and one in between on the counter-attack, goals David Moyes' side pride themselves upon. The Irons have named an unchanged team for the last four league games and have reaped the rewards for their consistency. Scoring the goals. Leading the line impressively once again this season is Mikhail Antonio. The 31-year-old has backed six times in the Premier League for the Hammers this season and was a handful for Joel Matip and Virgil van Dijk a fortnight ago, constantly looking to run in behind. Creating the chances. The three behind Antonio are a regular source of chances as they look to join the attacks. Jared Bowen leads the way for assists with four, including four Kurt Zuma against Liverpool, while Saeed Benrahma and Pablo Fornals have also chipped in with important assists. Over set pieces. Since the start of last season, 23 of West Ham's 85 Premier League goals have come from set pieces. The win over Liverpool showcased their threat from a dead ball, with the Hammers scoring and hitting the bar from Fornell's deliveries before adding another from Bowen's corner later on. Tough nut to crack. No player took part in more aerial duels against Liverpool than Thomas Socek with five. The Czech has formed a formidable partnership with Declan Rice in the middle, providing steel and presence while adding a goal threat, particularly from set pieces, scoring on the opening day at Newcastle. This is the team that started against Liverpool and has been generally unchanged throughout the season, playing in a 4-2-3-1 formation. Fabianski is in goal with 11 Premier League appearances and three clean sheets. The back four consists of Johnson, Zuma, Ogbonna and Cresswell. The two midfield sitters are Socek and Rice, while Bowen, Fornells and Benrahma support Mikhail Antonio up top. In club news, we'll start with Max Kilman committing his long-term future to Wolves. Max Kilman has celebrated a fine start to the 2021-22 season by committing his future to Wolves with a new long-term contract. The defender, who scored his first Wolves goal against Everton early this month, has agreed fresh terms at the club until 2026 with the option of a further 12 months at Molyneux. Now in his fourth year in Old Gold, Kilman has enjoyed a meteoric rise having played in both the National League and Premier League during 2018-19 when he joined Wolves Academy from Maidenhead United. On the contract, technical director Scott Sellers said... Our first focus was to reward Max for what he's doing on the pitch. He came into the academy late on in his development, but he's really kicked on and it's important we reward players for their success and also retain our talents. When we brought Max in, he had potential. He had technical and physical ability and while he was on trial, we could see he was a great kid, so we thought he could develop. But where he's got to is credit to him. His mentality and desire to improve, he's been very patient in that process and his development has been fantastic. So it's ultimately something we're all very proud of. Ultimately, you bring players through, and the aim is to get them into the first team. But to get them there as a young boy from non-league football into a team full of internationals shows his focus and work ethic. We hope that other young players can see what Max has done, and it shows the talent outside of the academy. So we're always searching for the next Max. Castore Player of the Month He Chan Huang was voted the Castore Player of the Month for October by Wolf supporters, following a fine month in old gold. In a vote carried out on Wolves.co.uk and the Wolves app, Huang picked Raul Jimenez and Max Kilman to become the third different winner of the monthly award this season following successes for Kilman and Jose Sarr in August and September. October began brilliantly for the South Korean who produced two sumptuous finishes to secure victory over Newcastle at Molyneux, linking up impressively with Jimenez in the process. 
Then, in Wolves' third and final game of the month, Huang bagged the opening goal in a 1-1 draw at Leeds United, where he showed great initiative to gobble up a chance, once again created by Jimenez. This is Preparing to Battle with Adama Traore. In the hotel, pre-match. I'll watch a film and speak with my family. Sometimes we do some games with the players and the team. I'll have a massage and do my stretches, just getting ready, thinking about what the manager said, what we have to do, how we have to move in the game, how we defend, attack, the spaces, everything. Pre-match meal. Normally there's a few options from the doctor and dietitians. We can eat pasta depending on the time. If it's early, maybe we'll eat some eggs and some fruit and some cereal. If it's the middle of the day, it's pasta and chicken. And after, it's important to drink a lot of water, ready for the game. The coach journey in. I sit on my own. We have to sit in different ways because of COVID, but before I was speaking with Cody, Max Kilman, and John Reddy. It's okay because normally I speak with my family on the bus and after I put on some music and a song, a prayer song because I'm Muslim. Pre-match emotions. My mentality is to win the game, whatever the cost is. If I'm ready physically, for me it's just getting the mood and the game time. Meeting the opposition. Before the game, I won't speak to them. I don't want to speak with them. When we get on the pitch, maybe say hello, but it's short because I have to compete against them. Afterwards, we chat, but not before. In the dressing room. Normally, I sit with João Moutinho and Leandro Dandonka. We speak about the game, about the spaces, how we can take advantage of them, talk about the players and the way they play. Pre-match music. I like to listen to most music, but not electronic or house music. But otherwise, it's a mix of everything. Maybe Spanish or South American music, hip-hop, R&B, salsa, everything. Rituals before the game. I just pray before I get on the pitch because I believe in God and spiritual things. When I'm going onto the pitch, if you see me before the game, I pray with my hands out. The teams are in. I look to see who's playing. Normally the important thing is how they play, the formation. I look at the left back or right back if they play with four or five. In the tunnel, I'm just anxious for the game to start. I'm excited at that point. The Fan Inside with Leander Dandonka. He's going to discuss his football fan experiences as a child, including his support of a club in the North East, thanks to his love of a certain former England striker. My team when I grew up. Leander says, I supported Barcelona when I was a kid. I was always Barcelona, but I also used to support Newcastle as well because I was a huge fan of Alan Shearer. I did like Arsenal too, but it was mostly Barcelona because they played nice football and because I went there as a child and we visited the stadium and went on a tour. I think that played a role too. A Wolves away day I'd like to be a fan at. I like the stadium of Tottenham a lot, but that's just in terms of its look. In terms of atmosphere, that would probably be Anfield. My first game as a fan. I never went to a real Barcelona game, which is a shame, but when I was young, I would always go and watch my local team in Belgium. They were called Rosalare. They used to play in the first division, but they went bankrupt and were merged with several others into one new club. We went to every home game with my parents and my brothers. Then, when I played for Anderlecht as a young player, I mostly went to watch their home games as all the youth players were given free tickets. A memorable game as a fan. I watched Anderlecht play in the Champions League and I remember PSG came there once playing with Zlatan and they won 5-1 and Zlatan scored 3. He scored an amazing goal from distance and the entire home crowd applauded him because it was that good. It was such an amazing goal, everyone in the stadium was applauding. I remember saying I've never seen a goal as good as that before. The last game I attended as a fan. I went to see a game of my younger brother when he was playing for Club Bruges about 6-7 years ago, so it's been a long time since I've been to watch a game. He now plays for Brighton, but I've not had a chance to go and see him yet. Sometimes when he's playing, it's online, on their YouTube channel, so I'll watch it, but I haven't been in real life. A worldwide game I'd like to go to. Barcelona-Madrid. 
that was always the game I wanted to go to. Now maybe it's a bit less because there's no Messi, but no more Ronaldo, especially because of Messi, because I'm a huge fan of his. Maybe now it would be a game in England because this is where the best teams are. Maybe Chelsea City or City Liverpool. Wolves DSA. There are over 1,000 cancer diagnosis cases each day in the UK and some are manageable, but some need that extra support. A great number of supporters have suffered with cancer and some need that extra help. Problems with limb weakness and loss, imbalance and other problems affecting normal walking are common in 25-35% to 35% of cancer patients. One Wolf supporter is determined to experience games to the full, despite being diagnosed with stage 4 terminal cancer. She's recently moved to a wheelchair area after cancer started to cause mobility issues. The supporter, who wishes to remain anonymous, has a wonderful friend who's relocated his seat to share this season and help when needed. Fan profile. Favourite Wolves player. Dave Wagstaff. I stood up behind the goal on the North Bank. Heavy leather case balls, short shorts, black boots were the only colour in town. I was so impressed with his winging skills. Favourite away ground. St Mary's Stadium, Southampton. We sat behind the goal and we were visible on the TV. Great day. Family, food and football. Can't beat it. Favourite Wolves moment. The Cardiff playoff on 26th of May 2003. Stonking pre-match atmosphere. Sir Jack arriving in his car mobbed by fans. Three up by half time. Matt Murray's second half penalty save. Sir Jack's thumbs up. What a game. What Wolves means to me. It's easy to support any football team, especially one of the infamous top six. But to support the Wolves is a long-standing challenge over which you have no control. Also, it's great to see the younger fans getting exposed to a bit of recent Wolves success too. So that's another thing. Togetherness for two hours in a common cause. The Matchday programme is now looking for disabled supporters to feature in each edition to spread the word about the variety of supporters at Molyneux. To be included in the feature, contact Laura Wright at wolves.co.uk. We end this season's programme by asking those connected with the old goal to create their ultimate Wolves player from various body parts. Stepping up this week is digital sports editor of The Express and Star, Nathan Judah. Football intelligence, Shao Martinho. Nathan says, he's 35 years old and has played football at the highest level for 19 of those with over 140 caps for Portugal. To do that, you've got to be a super intelligent footballer, especially dictating play in the centre of the pitch. Like his fine wines, he's vintage. Heading, Willy Bolly. I thought about Raul Jimenez, and I know we haven't seen Bolly yet this season, but he's a huge presence at the back, and he deals with crosses superbly. However, he needs to score more at the other end. Vision, Ruben Neves. Neto and Jota come close, but it's got to be Neves. The ability to pick a pass and spread incredible crossfield balls is a gift. He turns defence into attack with one move, and often thinks two to three passes ahead. Leadership, Connor Cody. The amazing rise and rise of Conor Cody mirrors that of Wolves in the last five years. He's just made to lead the side and has been integral to the team's success in the past, present and future to come. Character, Raul Jimenez. On and off the pitch, he's a model professional. He loves the fans, he's a fantastic footballer, and to come back in the way he has after a devastating injury last season, it epitomises the character he has. Fitness, Dave Edwards. He had a non-stop engine and the amount of ground he covered must have been insane. He runs all day for you and never stops working. Your typical box-to-box midfielder who knew when to arrive in the area. Strength, Ryan Bennett. He was a no-nonsense defender and as strong as an ox who didn't get the credit he deserved at the time. Was a massive part of the championship winning side and adapted well to the Premier League. He'd also throw a ball a long, long way. Goalkeeping, Jose Sarr. I think Saar could be very special for a long time to come. 
His handling is superb and his distribution is very good. There's a few kinks to work out, but now he's in the Portugal squad, he could be a sensational keeper for Wolves. Speed, Adama Traore. There's only one guy. Traore's not just the quickest at Wolves, he's the quickest in the Premier League and at full flow the quickest in world football. On his day, he's unplayable, unique and gives Wolves something we've never seen. Left foot, Barry Douglas. From a set-piece point of view, I still don't think Wolves have replaced him. He had a peach of a left foot with the way he could whip in those free kicks and in-swinging and out-swinging corners, he was always a threat. Right foot, Steve Bull. The legend that is Bully. I've been lucky enough to work with him in the past few years and I've watched all his videos. If you need a goal, then you're going to need your best ever goal scorer, and that's Steve Bull. Just before we finish today's Match Day audio programme, it's time to take a look at the two Match Day squads, starting with the visitors. West Ham, managed by David Moyes. Number one, Lucas Fabianski. Three, Aaron Cresswell. Four, Kurt Zuma. Five, Vladimir Chufal. Seven, Andrei Yarmolenko. Eight, Pablo Fornells. Nine, Mikhail Antonio. Ten, Manuel Lanzini. Eleven, Nikola Vlasic. Thirteen, Alphonse Areola. Fifteen, Craig Dawson. Sixteen, Mark Noble. Twenty, Jared Bowen. Twenty-one, Angelo Ogbonna. Twenty-two, Saeed Benrahma. Twenty-three, Issa Diop. Twenty-four, Ryan Fredericks. Twenty-five, David Martin. 26, Arthur Maswaku, 28, Thomas Socek, 31, Ben Johnson, 33, Alex Kral, 35, Darren Randolph, and 41, Declan Rice. And for Wolves, head coach is Bruno Larger. Number one is Jose Sarr, two, Keanu Hoover, three, Ryan Ainuri, five, Marcel, six, Bruno Jordão, seven, Pedro Neto, eight, Ruben Neves, nine, Raul Jimenez, ten, Daniel Pedence, 11, Francisco Trinchao, 13, Louis Molden, 14, Jason Mosquera, 15, Willie Bolly, 16, Connor Cody, 17, Fabio Silva, 19, Johnny, 21, John Ruddy, 22, Nelson Semedo, 23, Max Kilman, 26, He Chan Huang, 27, Roman Saiz, 28, Joao Martinho, 32, Leander Dendonka, 37, Adama Traore, and 59 is Oscar Burr. The match officials for this one are headed up by Mike Dean, who's the referee. He's assisted by Darren Can and Mark Scholes. The fourth official is Gavin Ward. The VAR is Andre Mariner. We're next at Molyneux for the visit of Burnley on Wednesday the 1st of December. Kickoff is at 7.30pm. That will just about do us for another edition of the Wolves audio programme. We hope you've enjoyed it. And as ever, the final thing to say is to enjoy the match. The giant is stirring. The dream is 